All right, if you'll take God's precious word, please. And turn to the book of Hosea, chapter 5. Hosea, chapter 5. God willing, we'll be expounding verses 1 and 2 this morning. Hosea, chapter 5. The title of the message this morning is Princes, People, and Priests. Princes, people, and priests. Hosea chapter 5. It's a small book. A minor prophet in the Old Testament. Close to the middle of your Bible. Hosea chapter 5. Give her one time to turn there. Everybody there? Alright, so let's go ahead and look here. In verse 1, God says, Hear ye this, O priests. Hear ye this, O priests. This prophecy begins by stating the audience that's being addressed. If you would, take your pens and underscore the word priests. Priests. To the prophet Hosea, the Lord says, Hear ye this, O priest, or hey, you priest, listen up to what I'm about to tell you. Now, if you would, take your pen while you have it out, and, and, and please move a little further down in the text, and underscore the words, house of Israel. House of Israel. Now, go down a little further and underscore, can anyone tell me what the words are going to be we underscore next? Huh? House of the king. That's it. House of the king. So, God is addressing a three-fold audience here. The priests, the house of Israel, the house of the king. Three-fold audience. The priests, God is addressing religiosity. Religiosity. The house of Israel. God is addressing society. Society. The house of the king. God's addressing royalty. Royalty. So God is addressing priests, people, and princes. Now let me ask you a question this morning. Who was to blame for the spiritual mess that Israel was in. Who was to blame for the political mess that Israel was in? Who was to blame for the state of Israel's trouble? The priests, the people, and the princes. <laughs> All three were to blame. God said, Hear ye this, O priests. Now, of the three parts of that nation that God's addressing, the priests, the people, and the princes, of those three, who does God address first? He addresses the priest. Now, if you'll remember, this is going to take us back to a former time where God's addressing a problem, and He had to address a three-part uh, party as well. You remember who that was? Adam, Eve, 
and the serpent. <laughs> Adam, Eve, and the serpent. Now, who was most responsible for what happened in the Garden of Eden? Adam was. Adam was. Because God put Adam in charge. Adam held the primary responsibility. Had Adam not taken from that fruit, Adam would have never died. He would have never passed that sin on to his offspring. So, well, it was the devil that, Adam didn't have to do what that devil said to do. He didn't have to do when the devil uh, uh, used that serpent to get his message to Eve. He didn't have to do what the devil said to do. He didn't have to do what his wife said to do. So, well, happy wife, happy life, Brother Fulton. Hey, he had a happy wife and they both died. <laughs> so, Adam was the primary person who was responsible. All three played a part in the sin, right? All three were guilty, but Adam was the primary offender. Who did God address first? He addressed Adam. And what did Adam do? It was the wife. Why did the wife do? It was the serpent. But he went to Adam first. Who is God addressing first here? The priests. Who bore the primary blame for the mess that Israel was in? It was the religious leaders. The religious leaders were the ones who God had given the responsibility of teaching the Word of God to the people. So, well, wouldn't it be the king? He was in charge. Did you, when you go back and you study history of Israel, you'll realize it was never God's intent to give them a king. They're the ones that insisted on getting a king. God said, all right, but you're not going to like it. He said, you should have been satisfied with me being your king. Oh, we want a king like the rest of the nations. Here you are. It's supposed to have been the people holding the people accountable by teaching them the Word of God. And then they obeyed the Lord, and then God is thereby uh, their, their king. So the three parts of the nation that God is addressing, He's addressing the priests first. Who was the moral conscience of that nation? The priests were. They were the moral conscience. The religious institution that God had established were the ones that supposed to have been the conscience of Israel. Who was charged with teaching people the word of God? The priest that God had ordained for that very reason. Who was the light and voice of God to the world? The priests were. But the priests had ceased to be moral and they had become immoral. And thus they ceased to be the conscience of that nation. When they should have been calling people out for their idolatrous practices in the land, they were instead taking part with them. When they should have been teaching people God's Word, they were abandoning God's Word. When they should have been letting the light of God shine through their ministry, they were taking part in the unfruitful works of darkness. Here's a kingdom truth this morning if you're taking notes. It is impossible to have a godly nation without having godly men holding forth the light of God's Word for men to see. It is impossible to have a godly nation without godly men holding forth the light of God's Word 
for men to see. People can't be corrected by words they never hear. They can't be led by shepherds who are walking in the wrong direction. And that's what was happening. The priests were not correcting the people with the word of God. And instead of saying, follow me, and then following God, the shepherds were walking in the wrong direction. A boat can rise no higher than its water. And a nation can rise no higher than its church. You can mark that down. God gave this prophecy to Israel because her priests had failed to do their jobs. Miss uh, Tanya over here, happy anniversary to you guys, by the way. 17 glorious years. But uh, Miss Tanya over here put a Facebook post the other day about uh, when the churches start following <laughs> the world around them. You know, they're no longer a church. They're, they're, and and I, I can't remember the exact words, but, but uh, they're, they're no longer being the light in the church and the moral conscience to the world. They're following the lost. And so the lost following them and coming to the truth. And that's what's happened in our nation. God gave this prophecy to them because the priests had failed to do their job and pastors are failing to do their job. Here's the kingdom truth. If a nation is falling, then its church is probably failing. If a nation is falling, then its church is probably failing. Our nation is in steep decline. Our nation is falling. And it's falling because the churches have been failing for the past 30, 40 years. Next, God said, And hearken, if you look back in your text, And hearken, ye house of Israel. Here God is not addressing the priests. Now God is addressing the people. You know what we tend to do at work? We'll tend to get around. We'll get around at work, not just my work, any place. Or if you're in the coffee shop, you're in the barber shop, or wherever you are. I don't know what beauty shop talks about, but anyway. Huh? They talk about the barbers? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, when people are together, you know what they do? They'll talk about how bad the churches are. Yeah, church, boy, it's... Churches compromise these days or bad or whatever. Or a bunch of hypocrites down there at the church or whatever they want to talk about. They'll talk about the church. You know what else they're talking about? I mean, I'm talking about when we're assigning problems. You know, we're saying, well, well, we have problems here and these people are to blame. They'll talk about church. They'll talk about the government. That's what they'll do. We'll call it solving the world's problems. Now, the church would start doing this instead of doing that. If the government would start doing this instead of doing that. But you know what they'll not do? They will start talking about themselves. They'll talk about those two great institutions that every good society has. God and government. And what they'll do, they'll talk about the people working for the Lord. The people working for the government. And they fail to turn their eyes on themselves. Society. 
society. Here, God's not doing that. Somehow people have to set aside these two great entities of religion and government. Just have a Thanksgiving meal together. Any of y'all have to do that? You have to check God and government at the door for you to enjoy a Thanksgiving meal? There's people at work out here, they, they say all the time, there's two things we won't talk about <clears throat> at Thanksgiving or at Christmas time or on the dinner table, and that's religion and politics. I tell you what, you're going to come around my house and sit at my table, there's two things we're probably going to talk about, religion and politics. But they set those things apart from the people so they can enjoy the social function. But here God's not separating the people from the priests and the princes. You notice that? He's not separate. He's just lumping them right in. You see, a priest can teach false doctrine. But the people don't have to follow that doctrine. Remember? The devil taught false doctrine, didn't he? Thou shalt not surely die. From the day thou eatest thereof, uh, the Lord doth know that you'll be as gods, knowing good and evil. That's false doctrine. The devil was to blame. But Adam and Eve didn't have to follow the devil. A priest can teach false doctrine, but the people don't have to follow that doctrine. A prince can legalize or even compel idolatry. But the people don't have to bow to those idols. Do you remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the book of Daniel? They didn't bow. They were compelled. It was law. But they didn't bow. And we don't have to bow either. So God is not just holding the government accountable. He's not just holding the church accountable. God holds His people accountable. He holds me and you accountable. The average Joe Plummer, as he became famously known as. The ten tribes of Israel, they split away from their Davidic king. And people, as long as they stand together, can keep a nation from falling apart. You hear that? As long as people stand together, they can keep a nation from falling apart. Here's a kingdom truth. The priests and the, peop and the princes derive their power from the people. The prince and the priests derive their power from the people. God not only holds the priest accountable, but He holds the people accountable. What are you going to do one day when, when the, the government makes something illegal? And they say, well, you have to conform to this or else, uh, you know, you're going to be charged with a crime. But it, it, it goes against what God's Word says. That's when we have to do like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's when we say, well, if it, if, it, if it wasn't for the government, I'd be doing this. The government's making a mistake. I tell you what, I don't care who they put in government. You, you know what should have happened? This is what should have happened. I'm going to come out on record saying it. When that Supreme Court came out and said that people would have to, governments would have to uh, recognize same-sex marriages all over the United States, every single government, state, 
county and local. Should have said, not going to do it. Not going to do it. Well, so that's the, that's a court order. Man, I tell you what. You want court order? I've got the Word of God. And that overrules those uh, fallible uh, and often corrupt Supreme Court judges. That's the order that we're going to go by. What would they have done if everybody in the land, all the governors, all the county clerks, what would they have done if they would have said, no, we're not doing that. Issue an order? Ooh, what's that going to do? They don't have an army. Are they going to put you in jail? You can't build. Who's going to build the jails? They'd all, they'd all, they'd all be uh, uh, the ones that were defying the order. Who's going to keep them? If the people stand together, they'll keep a nation from falling. God addressed the people here. Next, God says, look back in your text. And give ye ear, O house of the king. Now he's addressing the princes, the political leaders. We do not have a kingdom in the United States. We have a democracy, a republic that operates as a democracy. So when he says, give ear, O house of the king, he might as well be saying, give ear, O house of Congress. Give ear, O Senate. Give ear, ye politicians. I can't stand a weak, pathetic politician who has no true convictions. But he's always taking polls to see what direction they need to go. <clears throat> I received one from a politician the other day. I was concerned that a particular person in government was against the uh, voucher system for schools. Now you've got one of the highest voting blocks in the United in, in the United States at your teachers' unions, and so politicians want to keep that public school system strong, not only so they can indoctrinate our children, but also so they can cater that voting block and continue to get that vote. And there's a particular politician who is from the uh, public school background. And I thought, I wonder how he's going to handle our governor, Greg Abbott, who's been pushing for school vouchers. School vouchers allow the parents to take the tax money, and instead of it going to the school, I'll tell you how this works. Jeremini's back there. I know because I homeschooled my kids. The whole time I homeschooled my kids... I had to give my tax dollars to the public school system and for other kids to go to school. And then I had to take more money on top of that and I had to buy the curriculum for my kids. Jeremy's have to do the same thing. They, they, they're, they're paying for other people's kids and they've got to pay for their kids too. And Greg Abbott says, no, that's not how it should happen. You want your kid to go to a private Christian school? Well, take, take the tax money that would go to pay for your public school kids' education, and you can send it to the Christian school. 
I say, praise the Lord for that. That's a good governor right there. But you know what the public school system says? Uh-uh. I'll take money from us. Oh, that really makes me sad. Not. You see, and so, <laughs> so I received this poll the other day that said, and it mentioned the candidate's name I was concerned about. If this person doesn't support Greg Abbott's push for the school vouchers, would you still consider to vote for this person or would you think he needs to be back out of office again? Of course, I said, well, he needs to be out of office if he doesn't support these school vouchers. If he's going to side with the teachers' unions... And he doesn't care about the kids. He just cares about the vote of these teachers and to keep these people rich and soaked with money who are failing our children. Many of them can't even read when they graduate. But what was he doing? What are they doing? Put their finger up in the air. See the direction the wind's blowing. We'll go that direction. Listen. There needs to be politicians who don't care what certain groups of the public think they are going to do what they believe is right no matter what and if they get thrown out of office because they do what's right so be it throw me out of office I'd make a, I'd make a great uh, state representative or, or, or senator I'd make a wonderful king I would <laughs> off with their heads we'd be doing all the time but you know what I'd make a lousy politician. Because folks would vote me out of office when I stood on my convictions. I'm sure of it. He says, give ear, O house of the king. Moses' brother, Aaron, he failed as a leader. You know how? He made a golden calf because it was the will of the people. Exodus chapter 32 Verse 22 through 24. Exodus 32, verse 22 through 24. Let me read that to you. And Aaron said, Let not the anger that here he is explain to Moses why he made a golden calf, an idol, while Moses was gone up the mountain talking to God. And Aaron said, Let not the anger of my Lord wax hot. Thou knowest the people. Is anyone following along with me in the scripture right there? Underscore the words, the people. We're looking at three groups of folks God's addressing here. Priests, people, and princes. And here is a prince who is about to be a priest, and he's blaming the people. He says, Thou knowest the people that they are set on mischief, for they said unto me, Make us gods which shall go before us, for as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what has become, or we don't know what has become of him. And I said unto them, Whosoever hath any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it to me. Then I cast it into the fire, and there came out this calf. That's stupid. He said, The, 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 the people... You know how bad these people are. Don't be mad at me. You know these people are always set on mischief. They told me to make a calf. So I said, well, give me your gold. I put the calf in the fire and out come the calf. You know it doesn't work that way. But so what if the people told him to make a calf? 
The princes cannot escape. They say, well, it's the will of the people. They want to stay in office. So they cater to the people below them. You know what you have when a leader caters to the people below them? You have a tail wagging the dog. Our nation needs strong men who can stand on the principles of God's Word and lead the people the direction God tells us to go. And when the people balk at it, when they get out and protest, then do like China does and get a big old water cannon and spray them off the street and keep on with your business. But we have to stand on God's Word. No, I'm not for China. They don't stand on God's Word. They stand on evil and spray them off the street. I'm saying stand on the grace and Word of God. And those who want to rebel, spray them off the street. When Aaron blamed the people for the calf, that was the prince blaming the people. Because he was in charge while Moses was gone. The priests can't blame the princes. The princes can't blame the people. And the people can't blame the institutions that God has set over them. So God said, I'm addressing you priests, you people, and you princes. Look back in your text now. For judgment is toward you. You all are responsible So I'm holding you all accountable. Look back in your text. Because you have been a snare on Mizpah. You've been a snare on Mizpah. Now I want you to notice first. I'll explain Mizpah here in a moment. But I want you to notice first. That God didn't say you have laid a snare on Mizpah. God didn't say below that they had spread a net on Tabor. He said they had been a snare and a net that was spread upon these two places. They were the snare. They were the net. Now these places, Mizpah and Tabor, those were two mountains. Two mountains. God said you have been a snare on Mizpah, look back in your text, and a net spread. You've been a net spread on Tabor. Now I want you to remember that God had charged Israel for sacrificing where? In the low places? No, in the high places, remember? He had charged them with sacrificing in the high places. And I believe these two mountains were high places where they had been practicing their idolatrous worship, committing their spiritual whoredoms against God. And by them all participating in these wicked practices upon these mountains, the people became... Like snares and nets that ensnared the souls of those who got caught up in this evil practice. There's a man I work with. He was telling me a story a while back. He said when he was a little boy, he had a relative, I believe it was his uncle. And his uncle smoked one particular brand of cigarettes. He said, but his daddy smoked a different brand of cigarettes. And he noticed that. You know how people are, you know. Well, I like Beech Nut. I like Copenhagen. I like Skoll. Or I like Marlboro. I like Pall Mall. Or whatever they are. And so one day, he was out on the porch. And his daddy was out smoking a cigarette. 
When his daddy lit up that cigarette on the porch, he said, Papa, when I grow up, which brand of cigarettes will I smoke? And his daddy said that was the last cigarette he ever smoked. Do you know why? Because at that time, Papa realized that he was being a snare to his son. These people who were practicing idolatry on the mountains, they were snares and nets. You know, you lay a, you lay a net out to catch an animal, and, you know, that it, it springs up and catches them in the net, or a snare and it shoots something through and, and, uh, and stabs them through. These people were snares and nets on the mountains by practicing their idolatry before the generation that comes after them. Here's a kingdom truth. The sin you practice by yourself is the snare you lay for others. The People say, well, I, I'm not hurting anybody. I'm doing this myself. The sin you practice by yourself is the snare you lay for others. God said, verse 2, And the revolters are profound to make slaughter. The revolters are profound to make slaughter. Let me put that in good modern day terms for us. The revolters, the rebels. The people who revolted against God's word. By revolting against God's word, they were killing people. They weren't going out to just slay people. They weren't going out trying to slaughter people. That's not what they were doing directly. They're just practicing their false religion. They're just thinking on their own. They're, they're just putting God and His religion aside and saying, we'll do it this way. We'll live our lives this way. We don't care what God says. And God says, by revolting against me, they're being a snare for the people who come after them. They're bringing them to great slaughter. They're going to cause them to die in war. They're going to cause them to die without God and go to hell. They're killing people. This nation is getting weaker and weaker. China is getting stronger and stronger. Russia, the Middle East, they're all teaming up together. Meanwhile, we're trying to control the environment, cater to the queers, and try to make sure we leave a small carbon footprint. And you know what? We're doing all of that revolting against our God. And as we're going further and further away from God and we're making the Christians out to be the bad people and we're moving over here into darker and darker territories that our nation has never gone before. Inflation is going up. Security is going down. And you know what's going to happen if God brings this nation to judgment and people die either in war or disease or famine or whatever because of it? If we have to send our people back to fight another war and they're coming back home in body bags 
because of God's judgment on our nation? It's because of the snares and the nets on the mountains of this nation. It's because the revolters were profound to make slaughter. God saying, your rebellion is killing people. Your sin is resulting in the loss of life. Either by reaping the foolishness you've sown by divine judgment. Or through direct war or whatever. You're killing people. Sin always has its casualties. In yours will call the law, cause the loss of many lives. That's what he's telling them. Look back in your text as we close. Though I have been a rebuker of them all. God had rebuked the priest. You know what it means to rebuke? It means say you're wrong. You're wrong. God had rebuked the priests. He had rebuked the people. He had rebuked the princes. But they all rebelled against his loving rebuke. And now death was at their nation's door. And if our nation doesn't turn around. And give heed to God's loving rebuke. Because God in our nation today, through His Word, He's rebuking these liberal pastors. He's rebuking these liberal people who are going and (coughs) making them rich by following their nonsensical, unbiblical teachings. And He's rebuking these corrupt politicians. And unless all three, the people, the princes, and the pastors... Change their wicked ways. Death is at this nation's door in some measure. That will close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your precious word. I pray, dear Lord God, as a pastor, that you'll help me, Father, to always be true to your word, no matter what, to be faithful unto death. I pray for us as people to do the same. I pray for those who are in authority as you've instructed us to pray that we may live quiet and peaceable lives with all godliness. We pray, Father, you will cast down these wicked rulers and you will raise up righteous in their place. And I pray for a great revival in our land. And Father, if not, that we will be to the praise of your glory by remaining faithful and true and walking in the light as the world falls into darkness. In Jesus' precious name, amen.